You have arrived. You are now on a journey into the world of crypto, with your guides being three idiots. We have no idea what we're doing or talking about. You will get to learn with us on the way. If you are a crypto idiot like us and want bad crypto advice, you're in the right place. Idiot number one is the crypto chemist. Guaranteed to get distracted while talking and change subjects enough times for you to need a quick stopover at the loony bin on the way to work. Idiot number two is Kid Crypto. Kid Crypto lives life one quarter mile at a time, and he knows that it doesn't matter if you win by one inch or one mile. Winning is winning. He wins the Makes Bad Decisions Award every week. Idiot number three is Captain Crypto. Captain Crypto is a professional at doing things the hard way. Instead of researching, he likes to throw a bunch of money at something and watch what happens. You just can't get advice like this from anyone. Hello out there, crypto seekers, gold diggers, money grubbers, and investors alike. Today I want to talk a little bit about uh, wallets and just how the process works, generally speaking, and then dive in later with how you can actually use the wallets and so on and so forth. But, you know, I, the, the naming, it, they're trying to tie a familiarity with the object you know and tie that back to the principle of how they're using these things but it gets really confusing because you've got all these different cryptocurrency chains and all these different um blockchains again if you remember those are equations and i'm gonna stop calling them equations but there's this big block of numbers that are um, considered blockchain or called blockchain, but there's different types of those. So you run into this thing where you've got uh, a lot of different wallets. Like, how do you carry this stuff around? And again, this is going to be a very general episode. So you guys, you know, hopefully you guys research along with me if you're getting serious about this and take some of the tips just so you know some of the basic terminology to go look for because it can be daunting when you go out there and say, hey, I want to buy some crypto. And then you go, well, well, where do I buy it? How do I buy it? What do I buy it with? And then where do I put it? And then blah, 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 you know, on and on and on. There's all these questions that, you know, just the vocabulary is helpful so you can start researching and figuring out what you actually want to do with it. So when you're looking at these wallets, the one thing you got to consider is what are you going to trade in initially? And until you get a really good understanding of how it works, I really suggest staying in a couple of key blockchains and trading amongst those. That will limit your number of wallets and the weird things that you have to do in some cases with some of these things in order to store and keep your money. Because you've got these blockchain things and when a wallet is looped in, sometimes the wallet actually holds your blockchain itself. Sometimes it just holds the encryption to access your blockchain that you own that never leaves the official blockchain, right? Um, you've got, I know that's weird. I'm saying right, like you understand what I'm talking about, but ultimately, like there are, there are wallets that can be used as a hard token wallet. 
and Bitcoin is one of those that are famous for that. Uh, Ergo is another one that I use. Ergo, in fact, only has a hard hardware wallet. Uh, they've got something on the web, but it's a little funky. I didn't like the security protocols behind that, so I just built my own. Um, but ultimately, what I'm saying is, you know, the wallet is basically storing all this, all these big blocks of numbers, or this blockchain, and your piece of it that you've earned are purchased. Okay, so you've got you got to think of that as your primary asset, right? As the blockchain itself, when you're trading um, into other blockchains, or you know, if you're doing the investment portion of it, or if you're doing um, the currency purchase and hodl and you'll hear people say hodl all the time what they mean is hold and there's a long story about a guy getting really drunk and saying i'm gonna hold everything but it came out i'm gonna hodl everything so now it's actually called hodling so if you're gonna purchase and hodl something for an extended period of time you have uh some different options to do that with and there's a couple of things to keep in mind because when you you got to remember transfer fees in any case with crypto that's how it funds the enterprise right whether it be any type of blockchain that's out there even it's a really minimal minimal uh charge when you transfer blockchain around the world around the internet or around the ethereum um, blockchain or bitcoin blockchain when you're transferring that from one place to another there's always fees involved and that's the crux that you know that's the fine print if you will about why blockchain and crypto is so wonderful well it, it still has to be funded somewhere right i mean just because you have um this really secure protocol for transactions and whatnot doesn't mean the cost goes down for that the cost still needs to exist to keep the digital and physical infrastructure up for the people that are creating and holding the blockchain or purchasing the blockchain in order for you to operate on and this gets really in the weeds i'm going to try to back up to a 10,000 foot view so you guys can understand so ultimately you know when we're we're focused we'll, we'll stay off of mining and just tap into it just a little bit later but when you're talking about investing or money trading or hodling or whatever else you, you want to say um the things you got to keep in mind are there are exchanges like say a coinbase a binance binance us um whatever there's hundreds of exchanges out there which is like the stock market nice or um new york stock exchange or nasdaq it's pretty much the same thing each have their own little house well there's so many cryptocurrencies out there hundreds of crypto different cryptocurrencies some operate on some blockchains some operate on independent ones some the only blockchain they operate on is their own so we have these currency exchanges or uh, stock exchanges whatever you want to call it and stock exchange apps that you invest and do things from now you, you have to watch the fine print here and this is why i wanted to put this waiver out and do this really high level view because you have to get money in some form or fashion into an exchange to be able to convert it into a crypto if you're purchasing it if you're mining it it'll come in that format but it's still going to get to this exchange for you to do anything with it and that means like hey your buddy gives you a hundred dollars worth of ethereum 
and sends it to your uh, exchange deal and you hit the big one and you come out and you got 1500 bucks in Ethereum and you want to cash it out, you have to convert that back over to a US dollar to be able to receive it into your bank account. Obviously, bank accounts don't typically uh, recognize or receive uh, Bitcoin or coin, excuse me, blockchain, DeFi, decentralized finance, decentralized currency. They don't accept that or have trade ratios built in for that. So you have to convert it over to a local currency, then move it to your bank account. And as I mentioned before, you know, person transfers you $100. Well, he pays $3 in transfer fees. If it's really busy in Ethereum, I've had to pay upwards of, or had to, got quoted upwards of 20 bucks to move $100 around. That means I just put it up and I wait a week until the, until the, traffic is less congested then i try again and it's cheaper so say you've got this money in this exchange well the only way you got it there was having a wallet address right and it's this big complex long string of characters um that you're going to send to somebody and say hey send me money here and it can go in that exchange and you can hold it there or hodl it there all you want however a lot of exchanges flip those um, numbers over and over again, right? So you go in there and you get your address to receive a payment. Then a week later, you do it again and you got to receive another payment and the address has changed. Sometimes that causes you to lose your money because they sent it to a dead address, okay? And that's because those are... They are a wallet address, but it's not really a wallet. Like, pay attention when you're deciding on what exchange to go with and find out their terms. Are they going to give you a static address forever? And it can be used like a true wallet? Or are they just giving you a temporary one? Some of them even put the waivers on there. Like, you cannot use this. You're committing to not use reuse this wallet address over and over again. Right? So, this is a thing. Those can be recycled. Those can be, you know, down, down the road. Those aren't permanently yours under any circumstance but read your terms and conditions of your trade app or your um, trade site or exchange and make sure that that's understood now it, it still has to be used because you can't say hey I'm gonna invest $150 out of my bank account you still have to the whole point of it is converting it to a crypto that you think is gonna take off or you're gonna back the play of that crypto and you, you exchange it into that cryptocurrency, you watch it go up, well, you got to get it back out. So you got to transfer it back out, right? It, unless you just want to hodl forever. So if you take and look at all these um, dynamics around that, that gets to be a little wonky, okay? Then you have entire wallet providers that are as diverse as they come. I, I will eventually do some readouts and reviews on my experiences with some of these wallet providers and see how it works. But remember, I think the um, the finite nature of a wallet descriptor is really, really good for crypto because you have this wallet in some cases that are stored on a thumb drive or a USB stick. Some cases they're especially designed advanced USB stick, but that's a little thing, right? And you know, 
it's encrypted so other people can't steal it. And if you lose that encryption key or you lose the ability to access that, you got money tied up on this little stick that you can't get to. The whole point of it is not being able to crack it. So when they're telling you to write down security phases and all that stuff, what they actually mean is write that down, make a couple copies, put a couple copies in your uh, in your bank, in your in your safety deposit box. You put a couple in your <laughs> in under your mattress because man, what happens if you hit it big? There's tons of stories about people that have millions of dollars tied up on one of these sticks and they can't get it off because they lost their encryption. Super important. Remember the whole reason for crypto in the first place is security. So these are highly advanced passwords and combinations and things you have to do to get into it. So save your passwords, save your encryption keys, save your um, passphrases, okay? Be very detailed when you're figuring that out and start with that idea in mind so you don't screw yourself later. Okay, so back on to these um, wallets, right? So as I was talking about, there there are so many diverse types of wallets. And as I mentioned, very first and early part of the show, um, Ergo is something that I mine and trade. It's got a odd style that it's fairly new, but very mineable and profitable. So it really entices the people in. But right now there's only two wallets. There's a web-based wallet that you can tie into your browser, kind of, which I do not like because I can't access it. But you know, if I, I, I have to run around and install that on every browser that I'm gonna touch. And then there's a wallet that I've got actually stored on my computer and I have to, on, on that, particular wallet I use it connected to a laptop so it's not just always on the internet but also when I have to access that I've got to power up my laptop plug it in hook it up to the internet go through some security protocols then I have access to that wallet and that's the only way I'm touching my money and when I mine it it goes straight into that wallet it doesn't you know stop and hang out in my bank account or anything like that it's going straight into that wallet and I have to go sync it up with the wallet servers when it pays something out so it will download that actual currency to my computer so I can access it for my own purposes. If I'm to buy it, same kind of thing. If I buy it, it's got to be purchased and put somewhere. Now, some exchanges that sell the stuff, right, you can keep it on their temporary wallet address. Um, there's very few exchanges that really do a good job of offering a complete wallet within the app. So really be careful about that when I say you can use this wallet address for whatever. Well, read the fine print on that one. Um, now, there are other, and again, not going to dive into all the brands and types of wallets and what there are. We're going to dive into some types, but not the brands and all that stuff and what they have advantages and disadvantages of. But when I, you know, typically I've got a couple of these ancillary wallets that handle these odd and cryptos, especially Ergo. That's one of the biggest standout ones because I mine that and mineable crypto is pretty big to me since I like to mine. Well, everything else I have is on mostly on one wallet and that wallet has 500 different uh, cryptos that it accepts and holds or hodls and you can access it on a computer or on a, dev a mobile device. So that's pretty cool. It gives me a lot of diversity and it gives me some redundancy. So 
you know, if my computer dies, I still have my mobile phone. If my mobile phone dies, I still have my computer. And then on top of that, I have my passphrases saved on a secure backup on the web and handwritten down and stuck in a, in a safety deposit box just in case there ends up to be a lot of money in there when I have one of these glitches. So it, my advice, you know, initially starting off is try to understand, like, don't get so overwhelmed. If you create a wallet, ultimately, and you use it and play around and practice and do some investment and do some hodling and all that kind of stuff, and you get in with a you get in with a um, currency or exchange market online, that doesn't mean you have to use that forever. Like I probably got nine wallets right now that are active, and I only use one because I just ultimately got into it, started using it, and didn't like the feature pack and didn't like how it operated, didn't like the usability and so on and so forth, whatever reason, uh, for the different things, I just moved on. So my suggestion starting out is getting a fairly basic wallet, deciding on one exchange to operate in that has a good amount of crypto purchases. A lot of people go to Coinbase or uh, Kraken is another really popular big one. Crypto.com is coming up to be a really big one. But focus on one at the beginning. It doesn't mean you're going to stay that way. Guaranteed, if you get the bug like I have, you're going to change. You're going to you're going to change up your whole strategy on how you do stuff because you didn't know what you were doing when you started. You started figuring out, be like, oh well, I should have. Yeah, and that's okay. Don't be afraid to do that. Think about, you know, initially working with and investing and exchanging really small amounts, right? So you can just understand the process. And that that's really key. If you look at one particular coin, um, it goes by Stellar, short code XLM. It's a real pain in the butt because some wallet addresses require that they have a, a, this huge, you know, I don't remember, 16, 20-digit code. Plus, they have to have a memo that matches on the send and receive side. So if you're sending it to somebody or sending it to yourself, you got to go get that address and the memo and make sure that's exact on the other side. Because if you just put the address in there and hit send, some crypto wallets will not accept it because they need both verifications. And then you just, it's just like you took a, you know, $10,000 wad of cash and threw it up in the air and you were trying to tell it where to go. It didn't know, so it just fell down the middle of the street and it's just sitting there getting run over by cars and disappears forever, right? I mean, that's a real thing. I've done it before. Again, you're here. <laughs> Please be here to learn from my mistakes, not repeat them. But I've done a transfer. In fact, not too, not too long ago, I did a transfer and I was doing it on an app and I clicked through, I typed it out, typed out the memo and click send, but I didn't like go to the next uh, blank cell and it deleted my memo and I hit send and there goes 250 bucks, just gone. Now I'm begging everybody to track it down because I have the transaction IDs and things like that, but that's, there's no guarantee that I'll get it back. Right. And, and that's what I'm saying about really pay attention to your terms and where I say start off with something really simple. If Bitcoin's your thing, if you're, if you're gold drunken by the Bitcoin digital gold, cool, that's fine. Learn how it manipulates and learn how you can purchase it. 
learn how you can store it, learn how you can invest with it and convert it over to something else. Take some fairly solid, stable coins to begin with. So you're, um, or, you know, you'd look at the big two right now are Bitcoin and Ethereum. Now, as I've mentioned in the past episode, there's like hundreds of coins written on the Ethereum blockchain. But don't worry about that. Really, you know, getting really intelligent about digging through and making good judgment on market conditions and really being a great investor. None of that matters if you don't know how to ship it around the right way and know how to actually trade it, track it. Um, make sure you got it in a good place that you're comfortable with that because all your really good intelligence you can lose in one second by having something, you know, screwed up on how you put the stuff together. So it's really important. Um, one, as I was starting to say, get a wallet that you're going to use that has the coins that you're going to use and has the format you're going to use. If you're only going to use it on your phone or your mobile device, cool. That That's use that as a limiting factor. If you're going to only use it on your computer, cool. Use that as a limiting factor, but just get one. If you're going to use it on both, hunt down the hunt down the wallets that are accessible on your mobile and on your computer. And I really do suggest software wallets as much as possible. The hard ones are great because you can stick it in your pocket and it, it's, you know, physically secure. If the internet, the whole of the internet dies, you still have access to your uh, funds and whatnot. So that's a good point. But, and I understand how some people think about that. That's like the old mentality when uh, the recession and depression hit in the 20s. People were just, they, the banks all just basically didn't have the money to cover everybody who were making runs on the bank. So people were shoving money in their mattress everywhere else to hold it or hodl it. I don't know if it was hodling back at that time, but they're holding their money uh, in hand instead of leaving it in the bank because the banks weren't uh, able to reproduce that money, right? They, if you needed it, they couldn't give it to you at that moment. So that's really your decision and more power to you to make one. I prefer the wallets that are stored in the cloud because, you know, if I drop something and lose it, that thing is gone forever. And I'm just going to stress over that every day. Like, where's that thing? And it'll hit and then I'll get comfortable, place it somewhere, place this thumb drive somewhere and then realize, ooh, I haven't seen that for a week. Where is it? And then I'll have a total freak out moment. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm not good with that. So I'd prefer the things to be on a on a um, cloud platform that I can always do recovery, password recoveries and all that kind of stuff with, right? So find your wallet and then find a single exchange that has enough crypto availability and hopefully low fees to exchange things that you can play around with the currency exchange. So that way, when you purchase, um, say, some Ethereum, and you put it in your wallet with cash, okay? Well, then you take that and transfer that over to the exchange, and then you invest with it when it's in there. Or you can purchase the Ethereum directly from the exchange, and then when you're putting in a huddle moment where you're not going to be looking at it and watching it, and you just want to hold the money for a little while, I'd suggest send it over to your wallet. And th there are a couple tricks to the trade with this, and again, we'll, we'll keep getting deeper and deeper into this, but... When you're transferring stuff around, look at a few different currencies because like I was discussing about um, Stellar XLM 
being kind of a pain in the butt because you got to do the memos. But like when you do a transfer on Stellar's network, say I've got a thousand dollars worth of Ethereum and I want to put it in my wallet and I send it over. I'm at the mercy of gas prices. That could be any, I mean, literally it could be $2 to $150 on gas price, right? So if you take that same Ethereum in your uh, investment account, you exchange it into XLM, and then you send it on the XLM network over to your wallet, the costs are almost nothing, right? Then you can get it in your wallet, uh, so depending on the wallet's functionality, some you can convert it back to Ethereum right there and hold the Ethereum right there. But just remember the transferring between places can nick away at your earnings and it, it's not a good practice to over-exercise that because then you're getting nickel and dimed away with transaction fees. And what was $1,000 all of a sudden turns into $900 and your, you know, 1,000% profits now turn into 900% profits and it starts nicking away at the whole reason to do it, which cool, you can brush by that, not take my advice and just bull rush in and eat the fees here and there. But that's, that's the reason you got into crypto probably in the first place is to make huge margin on what you invest. So overall, that's a little bit about wallets and how the exchanges work. Just getting your cash out of your bank and into those exchanges and how to handle it once it's there, that's that's where you're at. Now, again, uh, most wallets and exchanges will allow you to cash out convert your stuff back to Tether or USDC, US dollar coin, which represents a, a US dollar in my case, or, you know, your local currency will have different things. But I can take that once it's converted and then just withdraw it directly into my bank account. And if it's a lower amount under 750 on most places, some of them go up to 1200, depends on how long you've been. But if I've, say, got a thousand bucks that I want to get out, <clears throat> I can send it back to my debit card with, with a fee, and that stuff is in there instantly. I mean instantly. Like, you click it, and by the time you can get your mobile banking app up, it's done. Um, if you transfer it directly to a bank account, you can obviously do a whole lot more money. Some of those are up to $50,000 transfers at a time, but those can take up to two to three days to happen. So... It's not really difficult getting your cash turned into crypto and investing it and getting back out. You just want to make sure you have a plan before you start. So start with some low um, entry dollars, right, that you can just practice and make sure that you know how and fully understand how to transfer receive, invest, exchange, ref, uh, ref, uh, withdraw back into your account. Practice on that because if you can make sure that works and walk through, you're gonna walk, you're gonna save yourself some missteps when it's there's not really a lot of money at consequence as opposed to getting your pants pulled down and say, oh, I just lost eight thousand dollars. It's crazy. But anyway, I hope that gives you guys a little bit of insight. Look forward to my next uh, episodes coming out for my individual episodes. I'll be trying to dive into some of the wallets and exchanges and do them in piecemeal. Like take a couple exchanges, a couple of wallets and go through that I recommend or I've used that have worked really well for me. But stay tuned for those coming back um, in the very near future. And until the next time, this is the Crypto Chemist and I am out.
Thank you for joining us on our journey today. Leave us feedback anywhere so we can give you really bad advice on your crypto questions. Or you can email us directly at cryptoidiots at pm.me. That is K-R-Y-P-T-O-I-D-I-O-T-S at pm.me. We are looking forward to hearing back from you. And until next time, the idiots have left the building.